0: before Liverpool take on Luton in the Premier League on Sunday at Kenilworth Road. Jürgen has given his press conference today. He's given some updates. Uh, He said that Mo Salah is very positive about his Liverpool future, which is really good to hear. And, you know, fingers crossed, come summer, maybe there's a contract extension that can be worked out where we add another two years, perhaps, to Mo's deal. Would anybody be against that? I can't imagine anybody wouldn't want Mo Salah to extend his deal. I can't imagine it because look at what he's doing. Like This season, it's just obscene, the performance level. It's absolutely outrageous that this lad, who when we signed him, There was a lot of doubters, including among our own fan base. And what he's been able to do, this is now his seventh season, is just it's spectacular. 44 and 52 in his first season was just ridiculous. 27 and 52, 23 and 48. That's Salah's bad year, and we won the league that season. Then he goes 31 and 51, 31 and 51, 30 and 51. Like fi- the fact that Mo is 50 games a year, regardless, is incredible in itself. Considering, especially, he has to go to AFCON every couple of years. And in this season, as things stand, he's on track to score 40 goals in 52 games. He's got 10 and 13 so far. We're about a quarter of the way in. He's on track for 40 goals a year again this season, like he was in his first year. Now, if he were to do that, he'd go to 226 for Liverpool. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. And, like, come the summer, Mo will turn 32 you could easily see him perform at this level for two more years. And then at a good level, maybe a tick or two down from this for maybe two more after that. Like, let's just say he gets to 30 this season. Let's say he doesn't get to 40. Because a couple of seasons ago, he was on track for this type of season, 21-22. 22 And in the second half of the season, he did slow down a bit. And he's got AFCON in January. So let's just say he gets to 30 for this season. That puts him at 216 for Liverpool, which is phenomenal in seven years. He's fifth on the list all time. That would keep him fifth. But he'd only be 12 behind Billy Little. Let's say he got 30 next season. That's 246. That puts him on. That puts him ahead of Billy Little and Gordon Hodgson and puts him third in the all time list. One more season doing the same would be 276. He'd be nine behind Roger Hunt. He'd be nine behind Roger Hunt. And he'd have played less games than him. Even if he ticked down to 20 a season in all competitions for a couple of years, he'd end up over the 300 mark. Second all time. Within 30 of rush. And that's assuming he doesn't have... A 40 goal season this season or next season or the one after. And that's assuming that we we see a tick down. There's no guarantee we would. Look at the way Cristiano did it. Like I've been saying this for a while, and people thought I was mental. And maybe I am. I probably am in a lot of ways, but I'm I'm not mental on this. Mo could break Russia's record. He could. Through his first six seasons with Liverpool, Mo scored 186 goals. He averaged 31 a season. If he did that, not even needing to see any kind of increase, just if he did that for four or five few more, including this one, he'd pass him. And Like, he's showing signs this season of a tick up in goals. Like, you look at what Cristiano was able to do. He turned 32, which is what Mo will be this summer, in early 2017. Scored 44 goals that year. The following year he got 28, then 37, then 36. Like and Mo as an all round footballer and as a finisher is better than him. He is. He is. Mo Mo for me is a better footballer than Cristiano. Cristiano's a better goal scorer. But the reason he's a better goal scorer is because he shoots endlessly. If Mo took 11 shots a game like Cristiano and insisted on taking absolutely every free kick from all over the place, he'd be able to score 40-45 a season. Now, what Cristiano did at Real between 2010 and 2016 is outrageous. Like His worst season was 51 goals. His best was 60. You won't do that in the Premier League because the Premier League's a harder league to play in and we've got better defenders. That, that six-year run is, without doubt, the single worst defensive spell that any of the major four leagues, Bundesliga, La Liga, Syria, and the Premier League, has ever had. Defending, it wasn't even that it was an optional. It was almost forbidden at that stage because it wasn't just him. Messi was doing it. It wasn't just the two of them. Suarez went in and did it. Like defending just wasn't a thing in Syria, or in, in in La Liga, rather at that point. Now you could make some claims about the Bundesliga when you see what Haaland and Lewandowski have done, but that's more to do with the level, the overall level of the league. La Liga was meant to be the best league in the world at this point. None of them defended. They were trying to claim Sergio Ramos was the best defender in the world. The guy who wouldn't defend to save his life, like. I Back to the point of Mo, I do want us to just throw the money at him. I want him to chase history. And even if he just ends up in third, even if he just ends up ahead of, ahead of Little and ahead of Hodgson, like, that will be an incredible outcome. And maybe from there, you can start selling them on. Well, hang on a sec. Like, you know, you're only nine or 10 or five or whatever behind Hunt. Why don't you give us one more year? Get up to second. Do you really want to be second, Mo? Are you, are you second place, Mo? Is that what you are? And you start to play on the competitive nature of the man. What an outrageous, outrageous player. This fella is a hundred and ninety-six goals in three hundred and eighteen games. Like that is stupid. Absolutely stupid. And when you factor in the creativity as well, if he stays another two to three seasons, I think he goes down as the best player in Liverpool history. If he stays two to three seasons and wins one more Premier League or Champions League, or ideally both, I think he's the greatest player in history, in the history of our club. Two-time PFA Player of the Year. I think he's on track to win it again this year. Two time Football Writers Player of the Year. I think he's on track to win it again this year. Three time Golden Boot winner. Now, Haaland is going to win that again. Despite the fact that Haaland will not play as well as Mo, he will score more goals because the whole city team is just set up for him. Premier League Player of the Season once, should have won it twice. Premier League Playmaker of the Season, top assistor in a season. Like, that's outrageous. Three-time PFA Team of the Year. It should have been four, but, you know, you have that. Uh, Three-time Liverpool Players Player of the Year. PFA Fans Player of the Year three different times, including the COVID season. Like, people forget how good he was that year. He's won the Puskas Award. He's won the Premier League Goal of the season. Like, it's just endless the, the accolades this guy has won. African player of the decade African footballer of the year twice BBC's African footballer of the year twice on top of that I'm assuming that the globe soccer best arab player of the year just it doesn't exist anymore because anyone won that once and there's just there's been nobody nearly as good since so I I I don't really understand but like what he has done since joining us is outrageous so Hopefully there's conversations being had with him and his agent and hopefully this summer they can trash out a deal that keeps him at Liverpool for next year and maybe two more after that. And then we see again what happens. Um, Jurgen Klopp has revealed the hopeful return date for Thiago following his setback in his recovery from hip surgery. Thiago was meant to be back two months ago. Jurgen's now saying it'll be the start of the new year. That's so weird. So, so weird. Especially considering he hasn't kicked the ball since February. So it will be 11 months out for what was described at the time as a minor operation. There was talk when he had the operation that he might come back last season. Besetic's training but he's not close to playing at the moment. Uh, It seems to be injury plus sort of growing issues, growing pains or whatever. Um, Get him on the stakes, get him on the weights at Mo, bring him back as a tank and and let's go from there. Uh, What else do we have? Oh, Luis Diaz is back in training. No decision has been made yet whether he'll be involved against Luton. It would seem that that, Jürgen has kind of hinted it would be Luis's decision uh, whether or not he will be involved. Um, So we're playing Luton. So what's our record like against Luton? Well, we don't play them very often for obvious reasons. They haven't been in the top flight since before the Premier League was brought into existence. They used to be a horrible place to go. Now, they haven't beaten us since 91, but we've only played them five times since, and there's been two draws in those five games. But Luton was always a horrible place to go. Now, growing up in Ireland, we didn't get much English football on the TV. You might get one game a week if you're lucky. You got match of the today that you had to live with that. The, the radio provided our best way to listen or, or stay in touch with games. And... Whenever you'd hear about Liverpool and Luton, it was always a really horrible, hard game. So we look at the history of the games. We played them first in 1920, and we beat them 2-0 in the FA Cup. We played them again in the FA Cup in 1939, we beat them 3-0. The first league meeting between the sides was in 1954. Liverpool were in the old second division, so were Luton, and Luton beat us 3-2. We played them again that season at Anfield and we drew 4-4. We played them again in 1960 in the second division. We drew 2-2 at Anfield. We lost 2-1 at Kenilworth Road. Bizarrely, and this is really bizarre, we played both league fixtures against them a week apart home and away. Maybe that was something they were trialing. I don't know. But that's what took place. Uh, we played them in the League Cup that season too. And we drew 2-1. Sorry, we drew 2-1. We drew 1-1. <laughs> Look at something else. We drew 1-1 uh, at Anfield. But then we went to Kenilworth Road. And we beat them 5-2. So that was our first win against them since 1939. Uh, in truth, it was our first win against them in six games. Then in 1961, we played them again. We were Division 2. We played them uh, at Anfield, Drew 1-1, played them at Kenilworth Road. They beat us 1-0. So they have had the best of this up to that point. But we didn't see them again until 1974, by which time we were a very different club and a very different animal. So 1974, we played them twice in the league. We went 2-1 away. We went 2-0 at home. We don't see them again until 1982. We draw 3-3 at Anfield, and we beat them 3-1 down at Kenilworth. We played them again in 83-84. We beat them 6-0 at Anfield, but draw 0-0 away. Uh, 84-85, we win the away game 2-1. We beat them at Anfield 1-0. We played both games before the turn of the year that year, too. 85-86, we played them at Anfield and beat them 3-2. We played them at Kenilworth Road, and we beat them one nil. Eighty six, eighty seven. They beat us four one at Kenilworth Road in the first league contest. Then we drew them in the FA Cup, nil nil. In a replay at Anfield, nil nil, and in a second replay then at Kenilworth Road, they beat us three nil. Bear in mind, we'd won the FA Cup the year before. We would get to the final the year after that and win it again the year after that. So that was a disappointment to go out in the the third round. Coventry won the FA Cup, I believe, that year, 87. Um, In the second league meeting of that year, we did beat them 2-0 at Anfield. The following season, 87-88, we beat them 1-0 at Kenilworth Road. We drew 1-1 at Anfield. 88-89, they beat us at Kenilworth Road but then we hammered them 5-0 at Anfield. 89-90, 0-0 at Kenilworth, 2-2 at Anfield. 1991 4-0 at Anfield, 3-1 at Kenilworth Road. This is around the time I'm talking about, 89-90-91. 80, this is when I would have been, my dad used to work uh, for a company that, maintain fire extinguishers and hoses and all kinds of, you know, fire extinguishing equipment. And uh, he was both salesman and serviceman. So one of his things that he had to do was travel around Ireland in a van, fixing and servicing fire extinguishers and hoses and, and all the rest, blankets and fire blankets and whatever else. So, over Saturday, if I was with my dad that weekend, I would go with him and we would go all over the country and we'd always have the radio on listening to the football. And these are the type of memories that just stick in my head of hearing about Liverpool drawing or losing at Kenilworth Road and my dad ranting endlessly about plastic pitches and tiny little grounds. And I had no idea what he meant by a plastic pitch at that point. I I was very confused by what he was talking about. But Kenilworth Road had one of those artificial all-weather pitches because they couldn't afford underground heating because only a few clubs would have had it at the time. I don't even think Anfield had it at the time. So, games would regularly get called off for bad weather. It was when they brought in the artificial heating, or the, or the underground heating, that uh, that all that changed. But they had a plastic pitch, Loftus Road. It was also for maintenance because they, they couldn't afford to be changing the pitch every single year. And if you look back on games around then, the three things, the three areas of the pitch that will stand out to you the six yard box is extending out to the penalty area all muck, no grass to be seen. And the center circle would often be just bare muck, dirt, filth, gullion, as my mother would call it, mucking gullion. The pitches would get torn up, something shocking, because they'd be frozen and lads would be running all over them and tackling and doing whatever. And there'd be, you know, bunches and whatever. So yeah, uh, this is what I mean by it used to be a horrible place to go. Uh, Where was I? Was I 1991? I was, yeah. The 3-1 win at Kenilworth Road. 91-92, which is the last season before the advent of the Premier League. uh, We draw 0-0 at Kenilworth Road and then we beat them 2-1 at Anfield. And then we didn't see them again for 14 years because they went down through the divisions as we stayed in the Premier League. And we played them... In an FA Cup game, the third round, at Kenilworth Road, we beat them 5-3. And this is a a well-remembered game for those of us who are, you know, old enough to have really appreciated what was going on. We'd won the European Cup the year before. We were starting out an FA Cup campaign that would eventually end up with us winning the FA Cup. We went down there. Uh, Gerard scores a worldie to open the scoring. Then Luton come from nowhere and surprise us. Goals from Steve Howard and Steve Robinson. They go 2-1 up. Marcus Hykenen almost makes a 3-1. Steve Finnan makes a goal line clearance. A lot of Steve's in this game. Your parents didn't take you to the church for a spin, lads. You're brought to be christened Steven. So I'd appreciate to show a bit more respect to your folks. Uh I'm reading this now. Luton have published this classic match-remembered match report today, right? On 48 minutes, Liverpool were awarded a penalty when Gerrard went over theatrically in the area, but Gibral Cissé saw his spot kick saved by Marlon Beresford. Marlon Beresford knocked around for a long, long time. Five minutes later, Luton had their own penalty. Scott Carson took down Rowan Vine Kevin Nichols stepped up and scores it's 3-1 to Luton Liverpool are in major trouble here perhaps the town should have sat back on the lead but the team continued to attack too honest said manager Mike Newell afterwards and we were eventually undone by two goals from sub Florence Cinema Pongle, who at that time was a brilliant super sub. He had played key roles in the Champions League the year before. He he was the reason the game turned against Olympiacos. He came on, goal and assist. Brilliant. Was popped up with goals like this. Then he tore his knee up and he was never the same. Then Alonso scores his first, which is kind of a dipping shot that I... I still think took a deflection, but I can't see where it would have taken a deflection. Ball just travels at a very weird trajectory. But in the closing seconds, they're pushing and pushing and pushing. I, I should point out, Pongo got two goals um, to get us back level and Alonso got two to win us the game. Alonso might have got the third and fifth. Pongo might have got the second. Four. I actually want to look this up now because it'll annoy me otherwise. Uh, Liverpool 0 5 6 Match results. FA Cup. Yeah, Pongo got the second. Alonso got the third. Pongo got the fourth. And then they were pushing to try and get an equaliser. They got a corner. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The ball breaks to Alonso. Gerard goes on an absolute tear, charging up the field, demanding the ball. Alonso shoots. Gerard turns around to have a good old moan at him and then realises the ball is going in and his entire demeanour changed. And we win that game 5-3. Liverpool's team on the day... Scott Carson, Steve Finnan, Carrie Grahipia, John Arnerisa. In midfield, we had Gerard Alonso. Gerard played right side, Alonso and Momo Sissoko in the middle, and Harry Kuehl on the left. And then Gibril Sise and Peter Crouch up front. Our subs on the day, Florence Cinema Pongol, obviously, Jan Gronkamp who wasn't very good and Stephen Warnock, who is a bellend, um, their team, Beresford, Foley, and Coyne, Underwood, Edwards, Nichols, Robinson, Burkovich, Howard and Vine. They brought on Barnett, Feeney and Shunny. Shunny? Uh, there are extended highlights of that game that Luton have actually uploaded. It's 15, it's 14 minutes. 14 minutes of highlights of that game. You know, a fair play to Luton because they lost the game, but they're still proud of the effort that they put in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I insist that you take 15 minutes from your day. It'll only take 14. Gives you a nice little sneaky minute all to yourself. Uh, and watch those highlights on Luton Town's official YouTube. Just go to YouTube, Luton Town Football Club. The video was uploaded two days ago. Have a watch. Enjoy. Enjoy the brilliance of Alonso. Enjoy cinema Pongo and think of what could have been. Uh, we're going to end with Anfield Index today. We have just recorded this morning the new scouted, but uh, I will point you to some articles first. There is a piece about Goncalo Inascio, There is a piece about Arthur Vermiren and Liverpool are being linked with him and I would love us to land him. I think we could turn him into our sixth. Uh there is a piece about Pepe Reina. He's given an interview in The Athletic, not that I'll be reading it. And then there is a piece from the rival recon that Harry has done and the Luton Expert that he had on talking about how like this is a dream for them. They're in the Premier League. There's also Tony Evans's uh latest piece, which is worth a read. Podcast wise, there is the new rival recon, uh, which you can give a listen to. Harry's always very good, always gets a good guest as well. Uh there is the new Scouted, which is myself and Carl ahead of Luton. There's there's actually very little about Luton in the game, it. We talked more about the Bundesliga, Bayern against Dortmund, the couple of the Dores, Ivan Tony, a few other bits and pieces. Uh, and then we did a bit about Luton, because th- what were you going to say? They're not very good. Job done. They're not very good. Simple as that. We should beat them comfortably. If we don't, it's quite embarrassing. Uh, and then there is the latest press conference pod with Dave Davis, uh, reviewing what Jurgen had to say today. And that's it, folks. That's all I have for today. I will see you all on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. And hopefully we have another sweet three points